Hey, Danger Dangers here with a quick announcement. The nomination window for the 2024 Crit Awards closes on May 31st, and it would mean the world to us to have your help getting on the ballot. A link to the nomination form, as well as a document with some of our suggested responses, is in the episode description. But that being said, please feel free to vote for whichever shows you are most passionate about. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real play podcast loosely based on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I'm your host slash Crypt Keeper. So quick heads up, these next couple episodes are going to be a little bit different from the norm. All of the players were separated and isolated into a series of solo arcs and events. These were all recorded at different times, in different rooms, completely separated from one another, and the players do not know what happened in each other's solo adventure. So, in order to help make it easier for you, the audience, to keep track of, Anytime I am switching perspective from one player to another, you will hear this sound. Now that that's out of the way, here's the recap. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron, and I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. Last time started out so good, I busted out my cool new spell. I turned Larry into a bird, and we were having a really great time until we stepped inside. The location was not amenable to the Phantom. So after a brief temper tantrum, we uncovered the lore, and now we know who the real enemy is. Dracula. Hello, my name is Daniel Cruz, and I play Imhotep the Mummy, our cleric slash warlock. Last session, we got some very interesting information, none of which had to pertain to Raynor being somebody else from a classic gothic horror novel. Just, that's not a thing. No, not at all. Oh my god, he's Renfield. Holy shit, he's Renfield. <laughs> that is that is so much better a reaction than I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. And last time on Dean Dark, who boy. <laughs> Good news is we met up with Carmilla again. That was fun. But um, so you all know how we have Vordenberg, who's a soul and a lantern. Yeah, he's not very happy seeing Carmilla. And I just got over my daddy issues. But apparently this guy just can't get over some mommy issues. I don't know. He's really obsessed with Carmilla and has this whole vengeful ID to kill her streak going on. But we go to a sanitarium. We're just there trying to get information on Rainer. But, oh, we get some information, all right. Turns out that Rainer's real name is Richard Milo Renfield, and his boss is Mother Effin Dracula. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. And the second we say his name, this magical portal in Rainer's solitary confinement room opens up and we all go into it. And now I wake up. I'm like, where is everybody? I don't know where I am because we are in the ethereal plane. This is going to be fun. I'm Jordan. I am playing Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. And who, Nelly? Last time. So last time. Our group split apart, and Larry ended up with both Jack and Eric. 
And it seemed like as soon as we crossed a certain threshold, they just kind of went bonkers. They started acting really weird. And poor Larry couldn't get any information out of them on why they were acting so weird. And he did what he could because it feels like every time he tries to reach out and comfort them or figure out what's going on, he often gets spurned and pushed away and treated not so nicely. So he's feeling very conflicted. It's kind of leading him to a conclusion that his emotional vulnerability and his morals and everything that makes Larry Larry is not being very helpful and being his old usual self doesn't seem to be working anymore. Hello, I am Grayson playing Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, the party's rogue mastermind. So last session, we found the asylum that Rainer, now known as Renfield, was housed in for a period of time. And of course, it being an asylum, Jack has a little bit of history with it. He kind of knew where the button was just to open the gate. A thing that he was trying to do to kind of keep grasp of the whole situation and not tumble is uh, he focuses on little projects here and there. And with a lucky roll, I was able to get some ingredients last time. So that's totally not going to come in handy sometime in the future. And I'm Janae. I'll be playing the part of Carmilla Malarca Karnstein, Vampire Spawn. So last time on Dean Dark, we found the enigmatic Seward Sanitarium, which was strewn with bodies, which um, Carmilla had some um, interesting remembrances of her own past life. It was very sobering. And through the warpath of a phantom's tantrum, we came upon Rainer's cell, but he is not in fact Rainer, but Renfield, and his patron is Dracula. And with that, let's dive into the chaos. As you all were crossing through the blood-soaked portal on the wall, you pass through a sort of membrane-like texture, and you walk into a viscous ethereal fluid. I don't like that. You see the others a couple feet apart, and they start to blink out of existence one by one, as you see the colors on the wall behind you have been on the fritz since everyone started yelling different variations of the name Dracula, and in sequence with it is sending everyone off in different directions. Oops. Okay. Oh, I I don't like this. I, I don't like this. Larry... Phantom Imhotep, what's... Oh, no. Carmilla, the last person you see, is Imhotep. And from the bag he has around him, a ghostly gauntlet shoots out of the bag and grabs a hold of you. And then you too vanish and fade out of existence. And you feel the grip of Vordenberg around your arm. Oh, no. And as you blink out of existence... You feel that grip slacken and fade off of you as you have been separated and are alone. So now, separated from Vordenberg, Imhotep, you find yourself alone and you too blink out of existence. Oh God. Oh good. Wolfman, you too start to blink out of existence 
but then solidify before you can fully evaporate. And you feel the beginnings of a werewolf transformation setting in. (laughs) You bastard! (laughs) Although something about it is different this time. Your consciousness does not wane, and the pain is subdued. But you do feel the hairs begin to emerge on your body, and your shape begin to contort and match that familiar form. But something about where you are catches you halfway in between. And Larry's mind in this wolf-like body still maintains its grip and control. (laughs) Oh, shoot. And your vision, which is blurred to begin with given where you are, begins to distort a little bit further and you start seeing red. And you can feel that viscous fluid that you're in gets a little bit heavier and more molassesy. Gross. Phantom, the world around you starts to shift into a more lavender tone. You feel yourself getting enclosed in. Shadows start to spring up from around you. And you can see about 20 feet in every direction there is a barrier as you are starting to re-corporealize and reappear in this new environment. Your shape is a little bit different. How's my face? Your mask actually retreats up your head. Your face becomes cloaked in shadows. And as you reach up to feel for it, there is nothing there. It is simply just a specter of what was. It is a solid black silhouette. As your mask takes the shape of a wide-brimmed fedora and drapes the shadow down over you. Your opera cloak and cape lift up and wrap around you and secure themselves off to one side so you have a more triangular silhouette and figure. Am I the stranger danger shadow? (laughs) Not exactly. You are, I would say, about 90% the stranger danger neighborhood watch shadow. (laughs) The one big difference between those, though, is large pauldrons appear on either of your shoulders that are ridged in many circular bumps that round out around the shoulders. Carmilla, everything is sepia-toned around you and takes on a tannish, yellowy brown. Your body is a little bit different than you had remembered. It is a little bit taller, a little more gaunt. The clothes you are wearing changes to the shape of a suit with a long flowing cape. And it too is sepia toned to match your new surroundings. Your hair shortens and spikes upwards. It stains itself black. Your face begins to contort a tiny bit and your fangs elongate ever so slightly. Imhotep, you materialize in slightly thicker, viscous fluid that has a light orange tint to it. The corpse underneath the bandages begins to fade away into transparency, and the bandages take a slightly tighter grip and hold. They wrap around your silhouette until there is nothing of the body underneath it that is visible anymore. As these bandages swirl and wrap around your limbs, they begin to change color. 
the runes leak their way up and around everything and stain and dye it different shades of yellow and purple and pink. I'm trying to make sure I understand this. I'm effectively just bandages. Yes. And they're rainbow colored. Specifically yellow, purple, and pink. Yellow, purple, and pink. Okay. Mary, the pressures of the environment around you are trying to force your body to change and take on a new form, but your body is resisting, and the framework that Victor Frankenstein built into you, with his signature trademark stubbornness, leaks into you, and your body with that same refusal does not budge. Your clothes and your outfits start to change around you, and you feel some chains begin to wreathe down over you. Your clothing takes on a reddish, almost salmon-like color, and gears and cogs begin to form around your face with basically nuts and bolts forming a large pair of spectacles that slot over your eyes. And through those spectacles, everything takes on a pink hue. Jack, the viscous fluid that you're in, takes on a slight teal color. As you start to recorporealize, you are, as opposed to being completely invisible, you are about 50% opaque. Your top hat begins to shift and change into a bowler hat. Your suit disappears around you. Your goggles shift and change into a large pair of spectacles. And a bow tie appears around your neck. As you look around, you can see about 20 feet in all directions, there is a large physical barrier that is sloped upwards and rounded. Go ahead and roll perception. Uh, I got an 18. With an 18, as you're looking around in all directions, you can see that all of the walls around you are slightly curved upwards. They are all rounded and very smooth. And as you look forward, backward, left, and right, on all sides of you, you are surrounded in this dome-like structure. As you look up, you see no ceiling. It is just a completely open area. And with some concerted effort, you can freely swim through this fluid. I'm immediately going for air. All right. Well, shoot. I, I want to get up there. Is the strange barrier at all scalable? It's very smooth. There's not really any place that you can grab a handle on. Shoot. Yeah, I'll just swim it. All right. So as you swim your way up, roll another perception. Hopefully I'll be more perceptive. Aha, nat 20. No one's here to see it, but it happened. (laughs) With your nat 20, you get a faint raspberry scent. All right, I try to swim up. You make your way up to where the liquid ends and can look out over the edge of this wall. You've got a pretty steady gaze and view of your surroundings. As you look out over the edge of this wall, you see stretching... Almost as far as your eyes can detect, there is a flat, empty, barren landscape that is a wooden floor that stretches out in all directions, impossibly far. You see to the side of you that at the edge of this containment unit that you're in, beside it, 
there is a large skyscraper that is a similar shade of salmony pink that is overlooking this containment unit. And if you stretch and squint your eyes, you can see way off in the distance at the far reaches of this same landscape, five other sets of skyscrapers and dome-like containment units. Uh, so I get out of that. I have these spectacles on. Can I take the spectacles off? They are firmly affixed to you. And go ahead and roll acrobatics as you are making your dismount. Okay. That is a 13. With a 13, it is not the most graceful dismount, but you are able to vault over the edge and make your way to the base where this wooden floor and landscape stretches out as far as you can see. <laughs> what is this place? This is so weird. Um, Roll nature. Nature in this very non-naturalistic environment. When you say wood, do you mean woods or just like wood paneling? Uh, what's your roll? Oh, not great. Ten. With a ten, the surface below you is made of wood. But what you are seeing all around you is completely barren. There is, if you really strain your senses, you can see an eventual end to this ground that you are on, where there is a chasm very far off in the distance. You know, I'm going to run. I'm going to use my wolf legs and my stupid speed, and I'm going to run to the edge of the chasm. I kind of touch the wood and kind of like see what I can get out of its existence, you know? Go ahead and roll either investigation or insight. 14. With a 14, as you are touching this wooden surface, it is flat, it is ridged, there's a slight pattern to it, and you can follow the staining of this wood, and it alternates every 30 feet or so, changing to a slightly different pattern. And as you're taking this in, you start to look around you a bit more, and you look back up at the large dome that you came out of and the skyscraper besides it. And you see on the orange skyscraper your own image looking down at you. Oh, it's not like that. It is the image of your new changed self in this form. And as the scent of oranges wafts down from the dome that you were in, you can pick up very faintly coming from each of the other domes in the distance the scent of raspberries, the scent of blueberries, the scent of strawberries, the scent of cherries, and the scent of chocolate. Am I inside a giant snow globe on a Dracula's mantelpiece overlooking a Christmas scene? <laughs> is, is this kind of like in the movie? <laughs> Krampus? <laughs> you are close, but not quite there. <laughs> because you see some words above this skyscraper overlooking this large figure of yourself in your new shape staring down at you. And you notice emblazoned above it the words Count Chocula. Wait a damn minute! <laughs> and looking back at the skyscraper that has your werewolf form emblazoned across it, you now notice the text atop it that says... Fruit Brute Cereal. You gotta 
be kidding me. All right, I'm gonna look down and please tell me I'm wearing some sick striped overalls. Your pants and suspenders have slightly changed their color. <laughs> and your fur is a lot fluffier than you ever remember it being. What? Was I in a damn cereal bowl in milk? You were, that milky, viscous fluid. <laughs> and that lens of red that you were seeing everything through was cereal milk. <laughs> you make out the words, Frankenberry cereal. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and it begins to dawn on you as you take another look around at your surroundings that... When the portal was messed with, something was off and bumped you from your trajectory. You are not, in fact, in the ethereal plane. You have ended up in the serial plane. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the cereal plane. So I was in a giant vat of strawberry milk. Okay, I was like, why do I smell strawberries? And you see the large words overhanging the top of this skyscraper, Booberry Cereal. Oh my god. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh. And you see the words... Yummy Mummy Cereal. Oh no, Dan. And it occurs to you oh. that you have not entered into the ethereal plane. Dan. You have entered into the cereal plane. The cereal plane. <laughs> Dan. Dan, this is so dumb. <laughs> oh my god. Is everybody getting a session like this? Absolutely. Love it. Hate it. Wonderful, horrible, worst, best decision you've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy mummy. I tilt my head to see if I can see the nutrition facts. <laughs> Who would ingest this? This is horrible for you. You see the words above at the very top of the skyscraper that say, part of a balanced breakfast. And it is leaning very heavily on the part of. <laughs> He's just, he is 4,000 years old. He's used to, like, gruel <laughs> or stuff like that. He hasn't eaten much. He's just like, what do the mortals eat these days? Sizz. Again, he looks at his hands. I do not fully understand. I do not know if I want to understand. I would like to go home now. Thank you, Mr. Yummy Mummy. You seem very nice. I seem very nice. No, thank you, though. Phantom, your skyscraper is jittering in and out of existence. It looks like it's conceptual, almost sketched into this world. I'm cell-shaded. Ah, oh, crap. And you see a reflection of yourself looking back down at you in your new Stranger Danger-type silhouette with your round, rigid pauldrons that you realize now are in the shape of raspberries. As you see, what the concept art for the unreleased box of General Mills Phantom Berry cereal. God damn it! <laughs> oh shit! Though, hold on. Giant table, giant bowls. 
giant people trying to have breakfast. Ringing out like the sound of thunder around you, you hear bells going off. And up above you, off to the side, you can see an enormous alarm clock ringing off. And as those bells ring out, the floor beneath you begins to tremble as large imposing footsteps shake the very ground that you are on. Oh, shit. I try to hide. Go ahead and roll survival. Nat 20. With a nat 20, I get the image of you basically leaping up next to the cereal box and perfectly matching the silhouette of the cartoony Frankenberry monster. (laughs) And as you hover there for a single moment, you make eye contact with a colossally large titan of a human being that is, with kaiju-like footsteps, thundering towards the table. And it is a 1950s stereotypical American housewife-slash-mom that looks right past you as you match up with the silhouette on the cereal box (laughs) and makes her way towards the alarm clock to shut it off. What kind of a pastel hell did I get myself into? And her hand slams down on this ringing alarm clock and the sound silences. You dip back down to the ground behind the cereal bowl and you feel more rumbling as she bellows out. Oh boy. Uh, I'm going to try and duck between the bowl and the box. <laughs> and just going to sprint and be like, nope, nope, that sounds big. Do not like that. And as you hide between the bowl and the box, a hand reaches down to the table and brushes off the dust of the sugary cereal that you are leaving in your wake. <laughs> I'm a nuisance. Love it. And... This hand that is 10 times the size of your entire being right now is a short distance away from you and is very slowly brushing and dusting off the table, sweeping as the dust plumes up around the bowl. Go ahead and roll another perception. 22. With a 22, as the dust plumes up around the bowl, you notice it for just a moment As it lingers up above, it gets sucked under the milk and back down into the bowl. There is a tiny little shimmer that you can feel of magic that is coming from this bowl that you climbed out of. Uh, well, now that I'm out of the bowl, it's going to be hard to get back into the bowl. This is such a weird situation. I don't even know what to do. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I was ready for like, you know, oh, you find yourself in a desert and horrible things are happening. Like, I am at a loss right now. <laughs> um, I guess can I Arcana to see about if I can figure anything out about the magic of the... Sure, roll Arcana. <laughs> That's a nat 20. With a nat 20... That magic that you're feeling is the portal that you came in from still open and still going the other way. And you can get a sense that each of these other bowls probably feel and work the same way. Okay. 
Um, and the mom makes another pass out ten feet in front of you as her hand comes down on the table, prepared to make another swipe away at the orange powdery dust. Which seems to be being sucked back into the bowl as it goes up, right? Yes. I guess I'm going to let her sweep me up and see what happens. Okay, so as the hand comes down in front of you, you feel some of your bandages against your will involuntarily reach out towards the hand. Some of them wrap around one of her fingers, and as the hand sweeps the dust away, you feel yourself violently whipped up into the air. Like this! Make a dexterity saving throw. That's another nat 20. With another nat 20, I want you to describe your perfect dismount and dive into the bowl and through the portal. The best way to describe this is I am swept into the air. I'm launched what feels like hundreds of feet. And I look down and I see the bowl bringing back his memories of when he used to swim in the Nile with Anksuna Moon during the flooding seasons. Imhotep does this beautiful twirl, twist, tuck, and lands him with just the smallest little splash. Beautiful. (laughs) And as you make your way down into the bowl, you are able to redirect, swim, and plummet yourself directly into the portal. Your bandages reaching out, grabbing the edges, and slingshotting you through. Like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Right, good. Carmilla... The liquid that you are in begins sloshing around with more intensity, and the ripples start to cause waves to form around you. You are struggling harder and harder to remain surfaced as these rippling ocean waves of this chocolate-stained cereal milk begins to rise around you and pull you down with the undertow. Not how I thought I was going to go, but <laughs> I guess uh, I ate too many people, so now it's my time to be eaten as well. And the rippling becomes more intense as the sound of footsteps gets louder. If, if I'm in the bowl of cereal, I'm trying to get out, but then I want to look for the next closest bowl, because if I was in this one, then the next bowl might have somebody else. Go ahead and roll acrobatics. 17. With a 17, you are able to vault yourself over the lip of the cereal bowl and start sprinting full speed as fast as you can towards the next closest bowl, which, just for the hell of it, I'm going to say it's Fruit Brute. So you start making your way towards the red skyscraper and the bowl beside it, and you can faintly hear simultaneously, just barely and overwhelmingly loudly, the sounds of laughter and footsteps of several children far off in the distance, making their way downstairs towards you to start their day the spooky way. Okay, I have a plan once they're close enough. A stupid, stupid plan. I was going to have you roll something, but I want to hear what your plan is first. I would like to phantasmal force the kid or one of, you know, somebody, to think that there's a fly in their cereal bowl and not eat it slash me. Go ahead and roll an attack for Phantasmal Force. I will say you see a gargantuan 50s housewife mother walking around the edges of this table, pulling out the chairs and getting the cereals ready for the children. 
Oh god! Uh, Phantasmal Force is usually a save, uh, but do you want me to... I would say roll your spellcasting modifier then. Cool, cool. Uh, 19. With a 19, your Phantasmal Force does successfully hit the housewife slash mom. I want you to describe exactly the effect that you are going for. Well, okay, so for me, it would be a 10 foot by 10 foot giant fly carcass floating in the dead center of the cereal bowl just to get it the fuck out of here. I don't know what happens if they start slopping and slurping (laughs) and maybe the whole, maybe we can get it all dumped out without anybody getting eaten (laughs) is the hope. As you give off that image, and I'm assuming the sounds of the fly struggling and dying in the cereal? You know what? Yeah, let's do it. It was going to be just dead, but no, you've got it. It's thrashing. So the mom looks down and with a gasp is horrified. And very slowly, the shadow of her enormous arm reaches down over you, grabs the bowl, and you feel yourself shaken and thrown to the other side of the bowl, splashing your way through all of the chunks of raspberry-flavored cereal and viscous lavender milk as you slam into the other edge of the bowl. And you feel yourself being lifted up as tsunamis of milk start pouring over you. Oh, God. It backfired so much. (laughs) And as you are getting thrashed around, roll perception as she is making her way towards the sink. 15. With a 15, you see this impending vortex below you as you are being brought over towards the sink. And the garbage disposal is turned on. So you hear a threatening grinding and gnashing as some water that was already left over in the sink that is filled with other dishes begins to spiral and whirlpool its way down. The mom begins to tip the bowl over into the sink. And as the sea levels change around you, you spot very briefly still at the bottom of the bowl the portal that you came in through. Ooh, okay. Can I see through it? Are there things on the other side of the portal? The ethereal fluid that you had first stepped into is still as you remembered it. It is a bit mismatched from the cereal milk that you currently find yourself in. So you can tell that it is still not closed yet. But there are like physical objects on the other side? There's nothing concrete that you can latch yourself onto. Not even with the whip bringing that back? Go ahead and roll... Either athletics or acrobatics. <laughs> yes. 17. With a 17, your whip does latch onto something just on the other side of that portal. You feel it shifting and pulling you in as you get reeled in like a fish on a hook. <laughs> and as the water cascades down around you and the milk and cereal splashes down into the grinding vortex of garbage disposal and of cereal milk and of dishwater, you slowly but full of effort pull yourself back up and get reeled in through the other side of the portal again. Whoa! That went horribly wrong! (laughs) Wolfman. You feel off in the distance several sets of identical footsteps to these, making their way down an impossibly large set of stairs towards you. 
No! Not children. Terrifying. Is there a place I can hide? Is there anywhere I can go? You have bridged enough of the gap to make your way towards that ethereal concept art of the Phantom Berry cereal. You better still have my damn cane, you concept art bastard! Oh no. Hellspawn. <laughs> and this mom begins pulling out chairs and setting down spoons next to each of these bowls. She still does not know that you are there, does not see you, and sets a spoon down beside you. Go ahead and roll either insight or survival, whichever is higher. Twelve. With a twelve, she sets the spoon leaning up against your bowl, and the children are beginning to make their way down the stairs towards the table. You know that you will be spotted eventually if you stay on the table, and you see this ramp has now been placed leading right back into your cereal bowl. I'm just gonna roll on behalf of the children. Oh god, getting real Attack on Titan vibes right now. <laughs> and on behalf of the children, that was a nat one. Thank god. So as the table trembles a little bit and you get launched up every couple of steps as you're running as fast as you can towards this next other bowl. One of the children running down the stairs trips over their shoelaces, tumbles down, and slams into the wall, blocking all of the other kids from coming down, and is doing that family guy It's bought you a little bit of time. I, I keep marching along. Roll survival. <laughs> oh, crap. Dan, that's a nat one. I'm going to die as a cereal mascot. I just know it. <laughs> With a nat one, as these children reach the bottom of the staircase and round the corner, a shadow looms over you, and you can look up over your shoulder to see... A 1950s American housewife slash mother (laughs) who, from impossibly high up, lets out a shriek as she drops a whole bunch of spoons that clatter down around you and bellows. (laughs) I scamper, I scamper, I squeak. I run. And make a dexterity saving throw to dodge the spoons. <laughs> I dodge left, I dodge right. I stop myself just before a spoon crashes in front of me. But you know what? That is a 12. With a 12, I'm going to say you take only a d4 of bludgeoning damage. Hey. And that's a two. You know what? I'll take it. Darting in and out of the spoons, you get clipped by one just at the very edge as you're not quite able to dodge out of the way and scramble in between the bowl and the skyscraper (laughs) that you now realize is a cereal box. You can see as it phases in and out of existence, the cereal bowl in front of you has at its base on the inside a portal just like the one you passed through to get here. Uh, I try and scamper up the bowl and, and jump in. Roll acrobatics. Oh, yo. Thank you, werewolf stat. So that is a 26. All right. With a 26, I want you to describe to me how cool your scamper, dive, and dismount is, ending with you going back through the portal. (laughs) 
cartoon physics. Everything's cartoon here. Just run my two feet completely up the side of the bowl, get to the top of the lip. There's a spoon sticking out of it. I jump up on the spoon. I do a bounce, a bounce, a bounce, a couple front flips, and then dive directly into the milk with just a single drop coming up and back down. And once you pass through the surface, you are once again back in this hand sanitizer-like ethereal fluid. And your body begins to revert back to your normal Larry Talbot self. Tragic, really. I'm gonna miss those overalls. Uh, yeah, I'm taking my daggers and digging them into each side to just kind of like try and get a survey. But I'll definitely say that Jack is in 100% panic mode because it's been a minute since he's been on his own and he just got out of the asylum. So he was already kind of falling back into that negative mental space that he was in. So go ahead and roll me, I will say investigation then, as you are trying to get a survey of the land. That's like a five? With a five, you see no trace of any of your companions in any of these other bowls. As you look down, you get hit with the overwhelming scent of cherries, and you see no indication of the wolfman. I want to know where the kids are at this time, because if they're going to start chowing down, I need to not be in the area because I don't want to look like another little treat for them. You can see the kids just off in the distance that are compiling around the edge of a staircase. And as you are clinging on to the side of this cereal box, you see walking past you a titanically large 50s American housewife that is strolling past each of her steps, wobbling the table and shifting the cereal box back and forth as she is making her way to try and help the kid back up to its feet. And the shadows of her arms loom over you as she reaches out to her kids. Uh, what are, what are the, uh, what are the bowls made out of again? Could I, could I tell when I was in it? You can tell retroactively that these are porcelain bowls. Okay. Um, and go ahead and roll me perception. So that's an eight. With an eight, you can feel the daggers beginning to slip out of the cardboard as you are sliding and holding out over this bowl of fruit brute cereal. As you try to regain your grip, you can feel that you've got maybe five seconds before these knives pop out and you are free-falling into the cereal bowl. Um, I think with that, I'm just going to kick off of them and hope that I can land somewhere that's not going to hurt me very much. Just purely for the flourish, roll either acrobatics or performance. This will have no impact whatsoever on anything mechanically, just how cool you look. <laughs> you said acrobatics or performance? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oddly enough, I don't know why, but my performance is higher. <laughs> I am so confused by that. Kick ass. I got a 18 plus a 5, so 23. With a 23, as you kick off and you pull the daggers out, little bits of cardboard shatter out of the side, and you flip upside down, and like into the Spider-Verse, Little pieces of cardboard <laughs> begin falling down around you as you, in slow motion, fall upside down upwards towards this bowl of cereal. 
Meanwhile, I just have the song What's Up Danger playing in the background for me. (laughs) (laughs) And doing a perfect swan dive into the milk as these pieces of cardboard, shrapnel, and rubble fall down around you. The milk gets agitated and begins to splash up. And as the milk swirls around you, you can see at the very base of the bowl, there is another one of these portals that you came through. Yeah, sure. I'll start swimming down towards it. Any place is better than where I'm at right now because I do not want to get eaten. (laughs) And as you swim your way to the bottom, you can feel the bowl around you being lifted up as the children are now making their way to the table. And the milk shifts up to the side, and as a tsunami of milk raises up to splash down at you, you pass in through the portal just as it slams down. Oh, thank God. This 50s housewife slash mother approaches with a handful of spoons, and she drops one into the bowl that you are in that thunders its way down towards you. Make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, I have a plus two, so that's a 10. With a 10, I am only going to have you take a d4 of damage from that. So that's just going to be a one. Oh, all right. So you take one damage as the spoon collides with your leg as you are desperately trying to swim and scramble out of the way, and it pulls you down further below the liquid. And as the meteoric chunks of Count Chocula cereal rise up above you, and the milk begins to bubble from the impact and from the agitation. You can see at the far base of the bowl, the portal that you came in is still there and is fading, but still present. Oh no. Uh, (laughs) okay. Uh, let's swim as fast as possible towards that portal. Just a straight D20. Okay. All right. It's a 14. With a 14, you are able to make it to the edge of the portal. And just as you are about to pass through it, the bowl is lifted up. And the entire milky surface of this bowl of cereal ripples upward and pulls you back away from the portal as a tsunami of milk forms overhead. And as you are pulled away and up over the lip of the bowl, you make eye contact with an unfathomably large human face that stares at you in disbelief before the wave slams back down and forces you back in through the portal. Okay. Well, good. (laughs) Do I want to, honey, I shrunk the kids this, or do I want to... Okay, yeah, I just, I take the ramp. All right, just for the sake of flair and style, roll acrobatics. Oh, that's an eight. With an eight, as you clamber your way up the spoon, you slip right at the tip of it and fall face first into the bowl of cereal. You are now back where you had started in this bowl of cereal and you can make out at the very bottom of the bowl near where you first materialized that the portal is still there. Cool. I swim towards the portal and yell, Dracula. All right, I'm going to roll just a straight d20 on behalf of the humans. Okay. And that is an eight. So 
as you yell, Dracula, the portal changes color again, and you are able to pass through it. The second that you make your way through it, you look over your shoulder and see, like a tsunami beginning to build, all of the milk in that bowl is receding, and you just barely missed the cresting of a giant wave and tsunami of cereal as the bowl is being picked up and making its way towards an enormous child's mouth. Oh my god, that was... I, and so I make it through the portal, okay? You make it through the portal just fine. And the image recedes into the background as you swim your way back through this ethereal fluid that is, minus the alcohol burn, it is the consistency of hand sanitizer. Okay. And your outfit begins to return to normal. And the world starts to shift and change around you once again. The environment that you find yourself in is not the one that you had previously left when you first entered the portal. You are no longer in the asylum and sanitarium, but you find yourself materializing in a world that is devoid of color. Everything seems to have been drained out, and you feel a lingering sense around you, some ghostly ethereal whispers and a sense of dread. And this time, you can be certain, you are now in the ethereal plane. We are the outcasts, the misfits you might say. We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste For the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid We know it's awful, dreadful, but we like it Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call The world is falling apart, we'll never take it to heart Thank you so much for listening to this episode of D and Dark, created, hosted, and edited by myself, Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. D and Dark's cast this episode is Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Ben Magnet as Mary the Frankenstein monster, and Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man. This episode also featured Janae Pellerin as Carmilla Karnstein. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni, recorded at True North Studios, Las Vegas. Additional music this week was provided by Braxton Cheney. Listen to new episodes of DN Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. It is one of those weird things where it feels fine for Renfield to call Dracula master, but it feels creepy for anybody else to. Yes, I know. Which, man, it is a fundamentally different experience doing this game post that reveal. I feel so much more liberated now. I bet you do. It 
was so funny when we were like trying to get him out. You were like trying to say his name and the planes kept coming. I could feel how like built up you had been because this has been something you've been working toward for like months, like a year, you know, since the inception and just, uh, oh man, I felt so bad for you, but we got through it. I'm so proud of everybody.